0: Linda Ballesteros.
1: Hey folks, welcome to All Things Franchising. This is Linda Ballesteros. I am your host today. Thanks so much for stopping by and spending a little time with us today. So we're talking about branding today. And um, uh, I, I recently read an article that had a had some information, and it kind of surprised me a bit about branding. Uh, it went like this: that there's these are some of the top things that people should think about when they're when they're uh, and when they're branding themselves or maybe their company that you may not think about. One was presenting a brand consistently across all platforms can increase your revenue. By up to 23%. That's pretty amazing that just a consistent brand can increase the revenue that much. Uh, Over 70% of brand managers consider an audience more important than converting sales. Now, I thought this was interesting because for years I've been telling some of my clients that um, instead of the first thing they need to focus on was. Getting an audience, getting a following, because uh, my philosophy is that if you are, if your your pitch is great and if your presentation is great, but if you don't have a room full of people, then you're speaking to an empty room. If you don't have a following, you're speaking to an empty room. So it's important to really focus on building that audience. The final one I, I recently read was that brands that blog generate 70, 67% more leads. And sometimes you'll go to a website, maybe they will have a blog tab, and it may not have anything on it, or maybe the blog on there was uh, 5 or 10 years old, My first thought is, gosh, are they still in business? So it's important to keep uh, keep in mind all of those things uh, as you're wanting to build your brand. So today we have um, Suzanne Tuline, and Suzanne is a brand clarity expert. She is an author and a speaker. She helps her clients identify um, and, and define a. Uh, and align. So she helps her clients identify, define, and align to what they want to be known for. So please help me in welcoming Suzanne to the show. Hey, Suzanne, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Linda. Great to be here.
1: I'm so glad you're here because, you know, Suzanne, so many times uh, people are just focused on uh, sell sell their widget, sell their widget, sell their widget, sell their widget. But There's something that needs to happen before they even start selling their widget. And before we get into some of that, Suzanne, tell me a little bit about why you were drawn to become this brand expert and um, how did all this come about for you? Wow, how much time do we have?
2: <laughs> I'll try to make it super short. Um, I was in corporate America and decided to leave corporate America. We grew through acquisition. It just became pretty chaotic in the in the industry I was in. But I was a creative project manager and, and helped it, like inculcate all of these other companies that we merged with or acquired. And it just got a bit crazy. So I decided I was going to step away after three years of craziness and went on my own and the first thing that I could do that would make me money would be um, graphic design. I have a, a minor in graphic design. I'm a communication major, and I decided to set up my own design firm. So I ran that firm and built my clientele. ran it for about uh, three years, grew it 30% every year. I realized I had this major, what I call a BFO. And that BFO is the blinding flash of the obvious. Oh, I love I, that.
1: BFO. <laughs> I'm going to have to remember that one. Yeah. But,
2: yeah. So hmm. I, w- and what that was, was um, I finally was watching my clients as, as they, I was, just, I was doing corporate identity design. So logo design and collateral pieces that matched, you know, the logo and, you know, got all that consistent. Well, I want to talk to you about consistently too, because you had that quote. At the very beginning, but I realized that my clients were feeling a bit apprehensive about some of the logo designs I would present to them because it's it made them feel like they were more sophisticated. The look and feel was more sophisticated than they really authentically felt they were. As it how business.
1: interesting,
2: how interesting. Yeah. So when that happened, I realized, oh, my gosh, all I am doing, and forgive me for this quote, but it's the best way to describe this, all I was doing as a designer was putting lipstick on the pig, so to speak.
1: Yep. Right? Mm-hmm.
2: I was making it look pretty, but it wasn't doing anything to help them if in their brand value position. And they didn't know anything about what they stood for in terms of what their brand was. So that's when I really had this BFO moment and shifted gears, pivoted and started the company called Brand Ascension, um, and we developed, me and my business partner at the time developed a methodology called Brand DNA. That was our first book that was out in 2010, and it's, it's this process to flush out the attributes that make up the brand and its value position so that everybody is clear on it.
1: hmm you know it's so interesting because what, what you're almost saying is that the uh, that you almost had to do some life coaching with these folks, some some image oh coaching, or <laughs> to get them to the point to where they realize that their business really could be extremely successful and um, and, and not hold it back by their their limiting beliefs.
2: Yeah, and I think the misunderstanding was that if I get a better logo and I get a a nicer website and we, you know, we create all this paint, put this on that makes me Mm -hmm. look really good, then my business is going to shift and I'm going to start growing. Well, that's not the case. (laughs) So it's really all about those key internal infrastructure pieces, those attributes that make up the DNA that enable you to be consistent, right, and show up to build that trust on a regular, consistent, very sustainable basis. So it
1: was an eye-opener for me. And so when you realized that, how did you shift your business, Suzanne, to either accommodate them or shift it so that maybe you attracted different clients?
2: Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I did have to shift. I kind of decided that I wasn't going to design for a client anymore until – I helped them understand who they were as a brand
0: nice. because
2: as a vendor, yeah, as a vendor, I'm not supposed to be the one telling them who they are in order for mm-hmm. me to design something for them. I would expect them as the owner of the business, this their baby to tell me the vendor, what they want from a design, but th- it wasn't happening. I was coming mm-hmm. up with these things. I would pull out information from them. Sure. But it was on the fly for them. They never had sat down and actually consciously, strategically, and deliberately thought through this process so that they could tell someone who they were and what they stood for. Mm-hmm.
1: So that's mm-hmm. when I
2: pivoted. And I just decided I'm not going to design anymore until I help you understand this. And I just took a deep dive into research. I had a business partner at the time in 2010, and, and we did a ton of research. Actually, we started in 2004, So we built this whole process called brand DNA in order for there to be a process for a company to go take themselves through and um, get this clarity they need to shift and stay in their lane, right? So that they had an infrastructure that was operating in a specific value proposition consistently. Mm -hmm.
1: Does that make sense, Linda? Uh, it, it does make sense. And it, st- and it goes back and it supports what I was saying earlier that so many times uh, entrepreneurs ex- especially are focused on their widget. Their widget, their widget, their <laughs> widget, their yeah. widget, right? And yeah. what, for you to ask them um, questions, that's outside their widget. Let me go back and I'm just going to do my widget. I'm going to do my widget. And that's all I know how to do is my widget. So. When you're working with clients, that it's almost like they're, um, they're, they've got blinders on because as an entrepreneur, it, you have the whole thing. So you get to make a lot of decisions and you better get right. good at some of the ones or you better hire someone that's good at those that you're not good at. So Suzanne, when you start working with someone and start peeling away those layers, so to speak, how do you get started with them? you know before you even get started with their building um their logos or their graphics or you know websites or or whatever it is that you're helping them with how do you pull back the those, um those layers and get what you really need
2: yeah that's a great question and you know i i must say that i i really don't lead with design anymore at all and if i mm-hmm. ever even get to design um, with them, that's that's great, but to me, that's secondary, or or even third, or fourth, or fifth on the list. That's not mm-hmm. that important for me. You can I don't care what your logo looks like. We want to what we want to create is what the logo represents. Right. Right. We have to work work on that internal infrastructure. So oftentimes, I'll get the client through. I do a lot of speaking and training and workshops, and I'll get the client through a speaking event and they begin to understand because they're able to spend 20 minutes with me on the stage so to speak and really truly understand the difference between marketing that widget and then and, and versus branding their company and their business and if if I can explain the difference between the two I'd love to do that would sure. you like me to do that okay. I would
1: love it mm-hmm.
2: So the difference between marketing and branding, if you think about it, you go and market a brand, right? You're, you're disseminating and communicating information about the brand. So what is the brand? And if you're out there marketing and communicating messaging around the brand, and you have yet to identify and define that brand, what are you really marketing? Does that make sense?
1: Yes. So what absolutely. what
2: happens is these these business owners didn't even know really what they were marketing. So they weren't really marketing to to create a value position, to disseminate information about a value position because they weren't clear on that. What they were doing is actually chasing the client, trying mm-hmm. to tell what they think their market wants to hear. <laughs> mhm. Mm-hmm. And that can get you into a spiral where you're just wasting money and dollars and, you know, good hard effort and time and equity down the drain because you have yet to identify and define and then align to that brand first.
1: So that's, so, that's what I Suzanne, do you see so do you see this mostly happening with um, brand new companies? or do you see companies that have been around for a while still struggling with that? Oh, they're they're the gambit. I mean, they're they're the
2: whole gambit. Um oftentimes when a brand new company is starting, they ha- they don't have the details of that vision yet to even really sit down and identify and define the brand even though that would be ideal for them. They're not even they can't even get their arms around Certain things yet before you know they they even open the doors, but then I've worked with companies that are 30 years old that have yet to even to even define mm. their their true authentic differentiators, core values, their brand promise, their brand style attributes. These things that are uh, integral to building a culture and and sustaining that trust in the minds of not only their market. But for me as a, a an organizational development consultant, the minds of their employees, and that's that's the one of the biggest misses I see all the time.
1: Mm. You know, whether we're talking about um a mom and pop launch startup or whether we're talking about a franchise, um are there certain things that they should focus on to make sure uh, that they sustain the growth? Because uh, when, when you're starting up or when you're part of a uh, brand, is there something I can do that will help me to sustain that growth going forward?
2: Yeah, so if we're talking about like a franchise, uh, someone's interested in buying a franchise and they're looking Mm -hmm. into, you know, should they invest in that, um, they should take a look at what currently is happening in that organization in terms of the clarity of the brand itself and the value position that the employees have of that brand, not just the leaders who are probably used to you know, at headquarters, they're used to talking about the value position. The question is, is, are the employees also aware, and is it infused into the hearts and minds of their employees? Do they have that internal training um, infusion on a regular basis to engage the team in order to have them, for, for the team themselves, to have more ownership of the brand? Have they articulated in, like, documentation what their core values are, their brand style attributes, what their known differentiators are, any KPIs, like standards of performance, uh, what is their brand platform, what is their promise, those types of things, I think, if they've laid that out, then you, you should be very impressed at the, the um, integrity of that franchise. Does, does that answer your question?
1: It, it does. Um, you know, when I'm when I'm talking and interviewing franchisors on the show, um, most of the time, well, all of the time, um, the the leaders they do get a clear picture of what their brand is. Uh, but mm-hmm. you're saying that sometimes there's a breakdown between maybe the leaders and the franchisees that um, maybe the franchisees doesn't, they don't have the same clear picture of what their, um, uh, what the vision is. And, but that's something that takes time. It's not, you can't read a manual and, expect the person, like the franchisee, to move forward with the same vision. So what you're saying is it just has to be almost embedded in everything that comes from the leadership team.
2: You're exactly right. It has to be embedded in a very conscious, strategic, and deliberate way. So every action, every movement, every decision is for a reason, and the reason is tied back to the value position of the brand. And the, the employees should be inculcated into that environment. It, it should be a part of that process when they're onboarded into the organization. If there's no time spent on that, then you're missing the potential to really leverage that human capital and that, that asset. And, and it's unfortunate because I see it happening all the time. Um, you know, we say it takes time. It really just takes an investment in training and in being mm-hmm. that every day. And you know what I mean? And, and when you're mm-hmm. that every day, the, the employees have to absorb it. But they have to be aware of it, too. So that's why it has to be written down in some way, shape, or form and regularly discussed.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's more than just a tagline, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yes, it is. It, it is really a way of being. It's an infrastructure. It's a like when you think about culture and the different actions and behaviors of certain cultures that are you know uh, that kind of are reigniting old systems and processes or old belief systems from ancient times. Right? It's just it's constantly fed down to the new generation, to the new generation, to the new generation. And this doesn't mean that your brand gets stagnated because there's a characteristic in, in uh, the branding process that if you are continuously generative in, in building out what does this value position look like today, right? we can get into some of those details, but um, it, it's important to own it and to infuse that ownership into your employees so that they become your brand ambassadors as well. And that's where the disconnect usually is. You
1: probably know this, Linda. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So when, yeah. a, when someone is looking at uh, franchisee, franchisors, they're looking at the brand, is there, is there something out there that specifically they should be looking for to make sure that it's a good fit for them? Absolutely.
2: I think the first thing they need to understand is that they, they need to understand their own core values and then understand that the, the brand that they're looking at, the franchise they're looking at, it has similar values within that organization that they're considering buying into. Mm-hmm. This is so powerful to make sure and understand that their definitions of those core values are matching or very similar to what you want to lean into and use as your own guiding principles, because that can be a big friction over the long haul um, in the, in the long run, when you buy into something, because you may think that it could be a great moneymaker or it's, it's valuable in the community, but yet the core values and infrastructure of the headquarters or the business itself doesn't share your value structure. It it can be very, very difficult. And I would say also, you know, Explore and comparing and contrasting how those values are actually showing up in that business model, in their systems and processes, and in the leadership of that organization. Like, are they walking their talk? Mm -hmm. You know, when they, if they value communication and I'm being promised that I'm buying into a business that I'm going to have support from the mothership, so to speak, right? Are they communicative? And if they value communication, Are they really calling me, and do they call me back, and are they that supportive? Do they give me the information Mm -hmm. I need? I mean, Mm -hmm. those little tiny things are so
1: important to the flow and ease of business growth. Well, you know, Suzanne, I think those may, may seem in normal times, those may seem to be little things, but I'll tell you what, I believe that the pandemic, and folks, if you're listening to this recording, this is October 30th of 2020. I think I need to get an organ, you know, uh, the organ to play when I say the word, say 2020, (laughs) you know, really make it dramatic. But I think that what has happened during this pandemic is it has turn the fire up, so to speak, on the leadership team. And if there were any weaknesses, if there was any of those uh, areas that they were not strong in, I believe that the pandemic has definitely um, pointed that out like a bright spotlight. Um, Mm -hmm. So during this time, I have heard from many franchisors uh, I, I specifically asked them how have you supported your franchisees? Some had daily calls, and like right. you're saying, it's the communication that the that franchisees desperately need in a crisis. Now they need it under under normal times, whatever that is, but they need it under uh, normal circumstances, but especially during a crisis. So to to speak to what you were saying that. Communication is important, that is critical, don't you think?
2: It is critical. And knowing that they value that, you know, and mm-hmm. they actually walk the talk and deliver on that value um, is, is key. And there, there could be other values, you know, that they have. Like profitability is, is a powerful value to have. Starbucks has that as a core value. And mm-hmm. when you are very conscious of profitability being a value, then what you, you must do in order to be consistent in that is follow through on designing systems and processes within the operations of the organization to be profitable. You know, look at those efficiencies and those productivity areas, and, and you're constantly upgrading and looking at that so that you can live out that value of profitability. That's what I mean by mm-hmm. making those core values or anything in the brand DNA the elements within the branding DNA more tangible in, in the culture of, in the operations of the organization.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, Suzanne, just, um, just to give you a perfect example of that, is I recently had a franchisor on, and they are large. I mean, they are very big. And when the pandemic hit, he took a whole, uh, this was out of headquarters, he took a whole department and um and had them focus on a totally different area of the business that they had been doing and that area was working with each of the franchisees to work with landlords to negotiate lower rental lower rent um and to really make sure that those franchisees were taken care of i thought that was brilliant. That speaks so much. I'll talk about that brand forever because it's you know, <laughs> in the crisis because they stepped in and they got creative. And that's what it takes sometimes in a crisis. Absolutely. Well, I, I
2: think that there are a set of core values there that they lived true to. And mm-hmm. that was just in what a, you know one of call in their DNA. It was natural for them. It was authentic for them to take care of their owner operators, you know, it's, yeah. it's really, it was important. And so the owner operators are really feeling like they've been taken care of that. They, they, they do have that sort of support and that's what creates, you know, a thriving business. Right. When you have that. Yeah.
1: Right. Right. Exactly. i tell you what, Susanna, really, I need to take a quick commercial break, but you know, we've kind of talked uh, about what you helped your clients with do you happen to have some stories of how you were able to help your clients and um, share that with our listeners? Absolutely. Yep. Very good. Absolutely. So we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and we will be back with more from Suzanne Toulin.
2: Do you know a family fighting cancer? The Jest Foundation nonprofit was founded right here in Katy, Texas, by cancer survivor Michelle Perzan whose vision is to assist those currently fighting by providing grants to help support family needs, whether spiritually, emotionally, or financially. Michelle and her family know all too well that there comes a time when the day-to-day needs we take for granted become impossible. Just Foundation has been able to bless 100% of the applications submitted, and now they need your help. Find out more by going to justfoundation.org.
0: House Talk
1: Radio. Join Tony and Wendy Gambone on House Talk Radio, where they talk all things house. From tips on home repairs and remodeling, to best practices on buying and selling a home, hiring contractors, home loans, and insurance. As well as decorating ideas and how to get the most bang for your buck. If you would like more information about House Talk Radio, go to housetalkradio.com. Hey, folks, welcome back to All Things Franchising. We're talking about branding today. So, Suzanne, when we broke for commercial break, I asked if maybe you could share a story with us.
2: Absolutely. I think I'll share the one I had uh, most recently with uh, Franchise Headquarters. Um, I was speaking at a franchise networking group, and two of the women from this one particular franchise was a restoration services franchise. They um, heard me talk, and immediately afterwards said, "This is something we want to bring into our franchise." They were the, the development group uh, headquarters of it, and so they brought me in, and we decided that uh, that they had been in business for at least uh, 15 years. So this is an older, you know, more mature company. They had about 30, maybe just 29 or 30. Uh, locations across the U.S. So they're fairly small um, in, in in that respect, but they were ready to expand and scale rapidly. So they thought that now was a great time for them to actually uh, sit down and, and really hone this stuff out, get crystal clear before they would take on another um, owner and, and, and even sell more um, locations. So They worked with me, and we decided that we were going to not only include people from headquarters, but we were going to bring in the owner-operators, whoever wanted to be a part of this, up to about 16 or 17 people, and I do this two-day retreat to flush out the brand's DNA. And so we were all together, and we did it. I facilitated this two-day retreat; it was fantastic. We got crystal clear on who we were, created a brand platform, brand performance. We understood what the differentiators were down to the quantifying numbers and statistics. I mean, they got crystal clear, and they were so fired up because they could now hang their hat on something that they totally understood and bought into. Um, the objective was now is like, how do we get it this into the hearts and minds of our associates and our people mm. so we mm-hmm. have what I call a, a brand awareness event this is a retreat you know when you get to a certain level in in the franchise space you you generally want to have those conferences right you can right. Um, bring all your yeah bring your owner operators yeah. and I did speak at their conference so we did a brand awareness event there in um, in the mountains in Colorado and it was fantastic we got so buddy, everyone so fired up and I'll tell you um everyone was asking their employees were asking for a ways that they could inculcate what they learned and, and they became more innovative. They had more ownership. They were just, it was so amazing. And within six months, they got an offer. The headquarters got an offer to be um, acquired by another larger business. And their whole objective was to scale anyway, right? By a much mm-hmm. larger company that had several other franchises under their belt. So they got into this whole acquisition and, and they, they accomplished exactly what they wanted to, but this, this other big, this bigger company saw what they were doing and saw the numbers and they, they got into their books. They got into their way of being really understood what this restoration company was trying to accomplish and do and really loved it. So Mm. that was
1: a really an amazing story. So they accomplished that and more than they even expected. Yeah, exactly. Wow.
2: I didn't think they expected it to happen so fast.
1: Right. But um, we,
2: the, the president was quite the networker, and he had a really good um, – lot, lots of connections on LinkedIn. And so he was also touting what they were doing in his posts on LinkedIn. So people started becoming more and more aware of what was happening. And he got mm-hmm. connected with this guy, this large, large um, organization with this executive, and they, it took them about three or four months to really you know,
1: carve out the deal, but yeah, they were so thrilled. I would imagine. I would imagine. So <laughs> when we're talking about um, successful brands, are there certain attributes, uh, Suzanne, that make a more successful brand? So
2: I would say that every brand, number one, is unique in in understanding who they are. So there's a set of attributes in the DNA that are custom and authentic to who they are, right? Once that is understood, fleshed out, and really uh, honed in on and clarified, then there's a layer of, let's say, their characteristics that I would say you should be thinking about doing with that set of DNA attributes. And the first one is definitely, you talked about this in the very beginning of the show is being consistent, you know, consistency. I have this amazing quote that I love to death that came from um, a book by Martin Lindstrom. He's a a brand consultant and, and had this wonderful book and in it, he says, consistency builds trust. Trust creates history History forms traditions, and traditions build rituals. And when your brand becomes a ritual in the minds of your market, then you've reached the upper echelon of your of your industry. Wow, that's powerful. So, I know it's huge. So just so being aware, I have a consistency audit that I run my clients through, and it really opens up where the gaps are in your consistency areas or not being consistent. And we're not talking about being like consistently, like in behaviors, being consistently late, right? We want those positive consistencies that help you live out your brand promise. So this, this uh, assessment tool I use with them, it helps them really uncover that in all the different areas of operation. And they really get to flag certain things that they can tighten and button up that really makes their audience build more trust and what they do.
1: Mm, I love the,
2: that. Do you have any? The second one of the attributes that I want to layer over the DNA once they're clear on who they are is again that distinction. Making sure that how you're showing up, that you change your processes in terms of the customer experience, even the internal. Don't ever forget about the internal. Uh, how you're delivering your promise to your own employees, how you're on, onboarding them. We talked a little bit about this earlier and inculcating them into that, how you respect them in what they do, how you reward them, you know, performance rewards. A lot of companies just skip over this stuff and take for granted a lot of times the value that these, this human capital brings as assets to your business. So being distinctive in how you deliver on your brand's DNA is super powerful. And then that third one, that third characteristic is, I mentioned this earlier briefly, but I'll define it. It's really about being consciously what I like to call generative. And that's sort of like being innovative, but being more generative is when you're regularly innovating and enhancing your actions your behaviors, your systems and processes to up-level the efforts to be more and more on-brand at that internal and the external levels. So if we're, if we're saying that we're we're communicative, let's say we value one of our attributes in the DNA is communicative or even being responsive. That's one of the, this restoration company's attributes, their brand style attributes is responsive. How can we make that responsive attribute the next level? As technology advances, as our culture advances, as new things are happening in our environments, what is the next? Like instead of 101, what's 201? What's 301? 501 in terms of responsive, right? So we're constantly thinking in those terms. Those are the three most powerful attributes of successful brand Applies to their DNA in order to create that sustainability.
1: You know, that makes so much sense, Suzanne. Uh, and the, the franchisee, they are delivering um, that 101 version of it. But you would want right. the leadership team to always be looking for the, the next cutting edge, that thing that's going to take the whole brand to the next level. You want forward thinkers. Um, to be yes. in those positions of those leadership role for, especially as a brand continues to grow. So how do you help those franchisors to shift their mind, like you were talking earlier, that um, some, some are rather reluctant or they don't see the company going there. But how do you help them uh, shift their mind, like with this restoration company, to take their brand image from the inside out to the next level so they can experience these great and wonderful things. How do you do that?
2: Well, you know, I think it's actually a result of clarity. And when I get them clear, I actually facilitate the process. I don't, I don't figure this out for them. I've got a right. process that helps them get engaged and, and we flush out these attributes that then once they're, they're bought into these attributes because they, they don't establish them unless they're authentic, unless they know that they can deliver on the attributes they're creating. So it's never this facade brand uh, that is created that they could never step into. It's always something that they're either all already doing pretty well, but they've never named it and defined it
0: mm-hmm. but when they
2: do that they get so crystal clear and it really opens up Pandora's box and it mm-hmm. inspires them to get creative and become more innovative and so it I have to tell you Linda, it's got it's it's that basis of clarity that enables people to be
1: innovative <laughs> mm-hmm. it seems so simple mm-hmm. but it it really is mm-hmm uh, Suzanne, I know that you have a new book out, Personal Brand Clarity. Um, tell me a little bit about what to expect, what our listeners could expect if they pick up this book, and uh, also how they could get their hands on a copy of this.
2: Yeah, I, I'm excited about this because I've been working with the solo professional and corporate emerging leaders um For the past about eight or nine years now with with kind of that focus, and what the book is all about really is the the brand's DNA process is um kind of rewritten in a way where it's about the personal brand instead of the organizational entity brand mm-hmm. so this book really caters to it's written for the solo professional, um, which I would define as consultants. Um, You know, trainers, coaches, brokers, agents, those types of people who are the brand of their business, and also to the leaders who want to be, you know, really develop their personal brand leadership skills. And what this does is it helps them become more, more conscious, more strategic, more deliberate, delivering their superpowers. You know, because they've defined them now, and now they know how to really leverage them to build teams, to build businesses, Um, and and this is really just that process of how do I do this? How do I even figure out Mm -hmm. what I value? How do I figure out what my brand style is? How do I figure out what I'm promising and my why? Why am I here? And when the people have that process, they're able to get the, the crystal clarity, which to me, Clarity is the basis for action. And until you mm-hmm. get clear, you can't really move forward. Does that make sense?
1: Absolutely, it does. And, you know, as um, especially entrepreneurs, consultants, um, since I've always said that the great thing about owning your own business is that you can make any decision that you want. And the downfall mm-hmm. of any business um, when you own your own business is that you can make any decision you want.
2: So you can get
1: (laughs) off track pretty easy because if you decide, oh, I don't think I want to do that, I think I'll follow this shiny ball. So what you're saying is getting that clarity, it it really helps you in making the decision, making those decisions as to whether to take on this project or not. If it doesn't align with your focus and, and your Um, your end goal, then it's easy to say no to that. So I really appreciate that. Suzanne, before we go any further, Mm -hmm. if someone wants to know more about you and your book, how would they find that information?
2: My book, or my books, my brand DNA book and the Personal Brain Clarity book are on Amazon, both of them right now. I launched this Personal Brain Clarity just this last week. So it's very exciting to get that out into people's hands that are looking to do some personal development and really get the clarity they need to step more into who they are as a brand and make it tangible. So you like you said, Linda, I love what you said. I always say it forces you to start discerning differently and that you're you're able or it enables you to stay, within your lane, so to speak. So you're not
1: all over the board and, you know, running off
2: to mm-hmm. that shiny thing.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes, hmm Absolutely. Uh, Suzanne, what is your website if someone wants to um, check out what you have uh, going on on your website?
2: Yeah, it's um, www.brandascension.com. I'm also on Facebook. I'm also on LinkedIn and uh, Instagram. Great.
1: Suzanne, if there are some franchisors listening, and they think oh my goodness do we need her help how would they get in touch with you if they would if if they're thinking about bringing someone in to help them with their brand clarity yeah so i would can i give a phone number
2: out on this or whatever you want to give out <laughs> they can certainly call me my phone number is on the website so they can go directly to the website there is actually um a couple of ways to connect with me And they can set up an online appointment right there on my Contact Me page. So feel free to do that. We can do an initial assessment and really understand what your goals are and see if we're a good fit, if this process, uh, the DNA process, would be a good fit for your team. But that's probably the best way to do that. Um, Reach out, Mm -hmm. email, text, call. Yeah,
1: Mm -hmm.
2: I'm available. Sounds perfect. (laughs) Sounds
1: perfect. Suzanne, thanks so much for being on the show today. I learned so much about getting clarity and the importance of that and the power of it behind um, making, a, making your business successful. So thanks so much for being on the show. I appreciate it. Thanks, Linda. I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So, folks, you know, if you're listening, it, it doesn't make any difference whether you're an entrepreneur, solopreneur, uh, franchisor, franchisee. We really need to get clear about who we are and what we want to create and why we're doing this. That's a big deal. What is your why? Why are you doing this? And if it doesn't fall in line with your why, then it's okay to say no. And maybe it's no, not now. But staying focused is critical to the success of your business. As always, I'm leaving you with a quote. This is actually a quote. By our guest, Suzanne Tuline, becoming the CEO of your life is a matter of becoming more conscious, strategic, and deliberate with who you are. That's critical, folks. Thanks so much for joining me today on All Things Franchising, and I look forward to seeing you next time.